Hello, my name is Patricia Rozvora and you're listening to Kitchen Conversations. This podcast aims to open up the mysterious and vague Eastern Bloc to a broader audience. For each episode, I'm inviting one artist or researcher and together we explore the relation, interest and the urgency to create within the framework of the post-Soviet sphere. Here, I also wanted to thank everyone for listening and supporting this podcast. It's very rewarding to see that with every episode, the community is growing, which was, of course, the whole point of this platform. If you are a regular listener, you might want to check out my Patreon page, where you can support my work and help me develop this amazing but time-consuming project. You can do that on patreon.com slash kitchenconversations. For the last conversation of this year, in collaboration with Contemporary Links magazine, I got invited to conduct an episode about the exhibition Young Poland, an Arts and Crafts Movement, 1890-1918, currently on show at the William Morris Gallery in London. The exhibition is organized by William Morris Gallery, National Museum in Kraków, and in partnership with the Polish Cultural Institute London. The Young Poland movement, or the Młoda Polska movement, emerged in the 1890s in response to Poland's non-existence for almost a century. From the end of the 18th century, Poland underwent successive partitions, dividing the country between Russia, Austria and Prussia, resulting in the countries disappearing from the map of Europe for 123 years. The style embraces the flourishing of applied arts and the revival of crafts, drawing inspirations from nature, history, peasant tradition and craftsmanship to convey patriotic values. The project is run by three curators, Julia Griffin, Andrzej Szczerski and Roisin Inglesby, in collaboration with the overall project manager, Kamila Hiska. Please welcome one of the Young Poland project curators, Julia Griffin, who will shortly introduce herself, tell us more about the arts movement, its political backgrounds and the exhibition itself. Welcome, Julia, to Kitchen Conversations. Hello, thank you very much for the invitation. Very happy uh, to speak to you. It's my last um, interview this year. So a nice also a rounding up of 2021. We are both uh, in London, however, not live since uh, quarantine rules and all this complicated things uh, we had to meet online. Me from a hotel room and you from your home. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's right. In, in fact, um, I'm just, just outside of London. Uh, we live in a little village called Denton, uh, which is sort of eight miles away from Canterbury. Ah, I was once actually in Canterbury. That's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
Nice. Uh, yeah, for uh, for the beginning, um, I would like to know a little bit about you and uh, more like yeah, your professional life, uh, what you do and your uh, involvement in the exhibition Young Poland, which we're going to talk today about. So yeah, please introduce yourself uh, shortly and tell a little bit about yourself. My name is Julia Griffin. And uh, I'm a Young Poland project curator uh, at the William Morris Gallery in Walthamstow in London. Since July 2019, I've been working um, on, on an international research project, uh, Young Poland, uh, the Polish Arts and Crafts Movement, with my two co-curators, Professor Andrzej Szczerski, uh, director of the National Museum in Kraków in Poland, and Roshin Inglesby, curator of the William Morris Gallery. And um, it's a partnership project run between the William Morris Gallery, the National Museum in Kraków and the Polish Cultural Institute in London. As part of the project, uh, we have done the first book and the first exhibition in any country and in any language um, showing the Young Poland movement as part of the international arts and crafts movement and focusing on the applied arts, crafts and architecture uh, of Young Poland. And in terms of my background, uh, I, I come from Poland. Uh, when I was a teenager, I um, developed a passion for the pre-Raphaelites. Uh, I was lucky enough to, to study art history in London um, at the Courtauld Institute of Art uh, with a specialism in Victorian art and design. And I'm just completing um, a PhD on Dante Gabriel Rossetti and William Morris. Oh, wow, great. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm really, really lucky because for the past, um, well, almost 20 years, I've been working as a museum curator here in Britain with 19th century British collections at the George Frederick Watts Gallery, the Guildhall Art Gallery, which is the corporate collection of the City of London, and um, the Society of Antiquaries, which owns Scott Manor. Morris and Rossetti's country home. Uh, however, I have to say that the Young Poland project is the most rewarding curatorial project I've ever worked on. It has been so much fun. That's super nice. Great to hear. That's always very important, I think. And I had the pleasure to actually uh, go see the exhibition on Sunday. And hopefully uh, this conversation will encourage people to go see it. And yeah, perhaps also um, have a look at your catalog since you prepared also a beautiful catalog, which also really well shows uh, the insight into the movement. Yeah, let's let's begin speaking about what is Young Poland, so Młoda Polska. Uh, movement. Uh, what are the characteristics? Uh, when was yeah? What was the time framework of this movement? The political uh, motivations behind it, and so on. Great, great. Thank you for your kindest words about the exhibition. I hope that before we finish, I'll be able to ask you ask you more about your impressions. Uh, I'll be very curious to, to hear more uh, about what, what you thought. And the exhibition is on until the end of January. 
Um, in terms of Young Poland, it is probably the most popular art movement in Polish history uh, up till now. It started ar around 1890 and lasted uh, until the end of World War I, uh, until 1918. And um, it was a movement which emerged in response to Polish people's yearning for independence. Because by 1795, as a result of progressive foreign occupation, Poland had disappeared from the map of Europe, which was an unprecedented political catastrophe. And as the historian Norman Davis stated, at that point Poland became just a memory of the past and a hope for the future. Uh, at that point Poland was just an idea. Obviously Polish people tried to fight for, for regaining their independence by means of military uprisings. But all of the military uprisings were, were quashed. By the end of the 19th century, they understood that the only way of preserving their endangered cultural identity would be through art. And this is when the Young Poland movement emerged. It was characterized by an unprecedented uh, flourishing of all the arts, not just the fine arts, the, the painting and, and, the, and sculpture, but also the applied arts, stained glass, furniture, paper cuttings, textiles, Christmas tree decorations, in, in other words, everyday objects, as well as whole interiors and even the architecture of entire houses became subversive patriotic carriers for preserving the Polish cultural identity. Things like a coffee service, a paper cutting or a Christmas tree decoration became carriers of Polishness. The Young Poland movement uh, drew inspiration from archetypal Polish landscape, history, Polish history, vernacular crafts, such as embroidery, wooden carving, uh, vernacular architectural traditions, the countryside, the idyllic life of the country dweller, including the Highlander shepherds and the Krakowian peasants, and also spirituality and legends. Uh, what about the name? Because the name is quite particular and in a way it's like an oxymoron uh, in relation to actually what happened in history, right? So it's uh, Młoda Polska, the Young Poland, which would seem like it's a movement which came with a liberation of a country, but this movement actually happened when the country didn't exist in reality. So yeah, can you tell a little bit about about the name itself? That's right. It It was an oxymoron. Uh, and in fact, this particular name, Young Poland, Młoda Polska, was coined by the critic Artur Górski in 1898. He published a series of articles in the Young Poland journal um, Życie, Life, 
basically referring to the revival of the arts and enticing Polish people to sort of not to lose hope and not to give up their their fight for independence and he was sort of commenting on the vitality uh, of of the new arts of the uh, 1890s and sort of revival of the romantic spirit his series of articles gave the name to the whole movement but in fact um, if we were to sort of characterize the gist of the movement it was about um, renewal rebirth the cycle of life so frequently um, the spring uh, sort of symbolized young Poland and also the motif of a young child symbolized hope for the future but also uh, the uncertainty of the future. The movement was about youth and sort of promise of, of renewal and the promise of regaining independence. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating how like the arts and all the yeah separate objects uh, had so much symbolism in there and spoke so much about yeah freedom and liberation and society. Yeah, I, I wanted to also ask you about the location of the exhibition since it's not in Poland. It is in uh, in the UK, in London, uh, in the William Morris Gallery. It's a museum devoted to the life and work of William Morris, an English arts and craft designer and early socialist. Why did you decide the placement for this um, exhibition uh, should be in London and in the William Morris Gallery? Well, it was actually uh, an idea conceived by my colleague from the William Morris Gallery, James Gray. Uh, He's the senior head of uh, marketing and public engagement. James Gray is a massive fan of Poland. Uh, In um, 2013, uh, James and his family visited Kraków and saw an exhibition called Forever Young about young Poland. He fell in love with the movement and ever since he's been toying with the idea of sharing this incredible uh, cultural heritage with the British public. Uh, In 2019, James came up with the idea of a series of lectures about William Morris's international impact throughout Europe and he kindly invited me to speak about uh, Young Poland. I gladly took up the challenge. We were quite overwhelmed uh, by the level of interest on social media and over 250 people turned up. So I actually had to give it twice in a row because we didn't have a sufficiently large room to contain (laughs) um, the audience. And uh, Marta de Zuniga, the director of the Polish Cultural Institute, uh, was aware of the lecture and initiated a, a meeting, uh, which then led to our project. I think it's a very fitting venue because William Morris was the um, 
sort of founder of the British Arts and Crafts movement, we are suggesting that Young Poland was in fact part of the international arts and crafts movement. The arts and crafts movement started in Britain uh, in the 1880s and um, over the next three decades spread across uh, Europe and America and then um, between the wars uh, it it also uh, started in Japan. The movement was about improving the condition of living and working. Uh, it was about uh, cultural democracy, everybody's right to beauty in everyday life, irrespective of, of people's financial or social status. And it was about um, advocating the equality of all arts. The notion that a humble sort of paper cutting or a Christmas tree decoration can be as important as an easel painting or, or as a piece of sculpture. We are proposing that uh, because Young Poland was all about people's yearning for independence, it was following an ethos and it was all about art for all. And, and beauty for all, that it was in fact uh, very much in keeping with the ideas of William Morris. What are the names of the Polish artists which we should know uh, when speaking about the Young Poland movement? Well, uh, you know, there are so many, uh, there are just so many artists, some of whom, uh, you know, are very well known. They are part of the art historical canon. Uh, and there are also many unsung heroes, some of whom we are very proud to be able to represent in the book and in the exhibition for the very first time. There were also a number of really important uh, women artists in the Polish arts and crafts movement whose role needs to be further investigated. And again, uh, we are very proud to have incorporated several uh, in, in our project. Uh, I would say, you know, there, there are three, three main figures. Stanisław Wyspiański, uh, who was associated with Kraków and who was probably Poland's greatest design reformer of all time. He was incredibly versatile as an interior decorator and as a designer and, and craftsman. And he was uh, also involved in the conservation of historic buildings and many other pertinent causes. Then there was Stanisław Witkiewicz um, associated with the village of Zakopane at the foothill of the Tatra Mountains and he was the creator of the Zakopane-style interior decoration and architecture inspired by the, the Tatra um, Pothale shepherds. And then uh, the unsung hero, uh, Karol Kosowski, also associated with the village of Zakopane. He was a genius for ornament. He was um, an archetypal master craftsman. He, uh, he was incredibly versatile as a, as a painter, furniture and textile designer, a designer of paper cuttings and lace. And he lived an arts and crafts lifestyle uh, in, a, in a Highlander villa uh, called uh, Villa Chiha. 
Uh, in terms of the women artists, we are very excited to sort of illuminate the pictorial output of Maria Pavlikowska Jasnozewska, up till now known mainly for her poetry, but in fact she came from the prominent family uh, of, of Polish painters uh, Juliusz and uh, Wojciech Kossak. And she herself was a very talented illustrator who exhibited at the Kraków Society of the Friends of Fine Arts, uh, also in Warsaw and in Zakopane. Also lesser known uh, women artists such as Maria Witkiewicz, the wife of Stanisław Witkiewicz, who was a very skilled embroiderer, and Bronisława Richterianowska, who created pictorial compositions made from woolen cloth. They were applique, showing archetypal Polish landscape and manor houses. Um, incredible artist who, who deserves greater recognition as well. I wanted to uh, come back to the first uh, mm. woman you mentioned, uh, Maria Pawlikowska Jasnozewska. Since when I was in the exhibition, I read somewhere that she also started a radio show. That's right. Uh, Maria Pawlikowska Jasnozewska, she also wrote radio plays. And uh, one of the plays called Portrait of Doom was translated by a couple of outstanding Anglo-Polish literary scholars and translators, Professor Tony Howard and his wife, uh, Barbara Bogoczak and was recently staged at the William Morris Gallery. In fact, uh, there is a recording of the play on the Young Poland Project website, uh, which hopefully we can share as, as part of the podcast. Definitely, for sure. I will include it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, wonderful. There's also a reportage from the staging of the play. So I, I'll share that as well. And this particular play, The Portrait of Doom, is about the condition of, of women uh, artists uh, and creativity uh, at the beginning of the 20th century. It must have been uh, fascinating for you to look into all those archival footages and find all those uh, small hidden histories. I think it's great. I have to give credit to, to Barbara Bogoczek for conceiving the idea to include Maria Pawlikowska Jasnozewska in the exhibition, which which has been a genius and and a novel idea, and uh, there is a separate room about Maria, uh, which comprises a big part of the exhibition. Um, a lot of the pieces in the exhibition um, contain like symbols from nature, from folklore, from the countryside. I think that was one of the the main motifs of uh, of the movement. I'm curious, uh, where did this come from, this um, fascination with the countryside, with nature, with the flora and so on? What, what, I, what I haven't said so far is that uh, the Young Poland movement developed under the Austrian partition in the south of Poland, which was the most liberal unlike the stringent Russian and German partitions. The Young Poland movement started in two main locations. The historic city of Kraków, uh, which used to be the seat of Polish kings, 
and also the burial place of, of Polish kings and the greatest cultural heroes, uh, and the nearby village of Zakopane at the foothill of the Tatra mountains. The Tatras are the uh, tallest mountain range in, in, in Europe, they are part of the Carpathians. The Austrian partition was totally untouched by the Industrial Revolution, unlike Great Britain, which had started the Industrial Revolution. In Great Britain, uh, the British Arts and Crafts movement can be interpreted as a reaction against the aftermath of the Industrial Revolution, which led to the disappearance of traditional crafts and uh, mechanical production, and also to the dehumanizing quality of workmen who sort of spent very long hours in factories, and also the destruction of the countryside because of the building of the factories. And in England, uh, the um, British Arts and Crafts Movement uh, was in a way uh, an expression of British people's longing for the British cultural ideal, which was very much about an idyllic life in a pre-industrial village, sort of in a vernacular cottage, being surrounded by traditional crafts. All of this was, was threatened by the results of the Industrial Revolution. On the other hand, in Galicia, uh, the name for the Austrian partition in, in Poland, life continued to be rural. The lands were totally un untouched by the Industrial Revolution. However, the area was sort of flooded uh, with an influx of cheaply produced, machine-produced foreign goods from Austria, which were threatening traditional crafts in Poland. So, in a way, we, we could say that um, the interest in, in the countryside was about preserving the traditional country crafts preserved by the Highlander shepherds and by Krakowian peasants. And it was also about the symbolism of archetypal Polish landscape, symbolized by the Tatra Mountains, symbolized by the Vistula River, by certain trees such as the willow, certain flowers such as the dandelion, the sunflower, as an embodiment of Polishness during the time of political oppression. Fascinating. Didn't know about this. For <laughs> me, also very, very nice moment to learn about my own history. <laughs> uh, there is so many... Uh, object you're showing uh, in the exhibition there is uh, as you said paintings tapestry embroidery uh, architectural pieces do you know uh, the number of objects you're showing we're showing about uh, 150 objects from about 30 institutional and private lenders and uh, we're very lucky because the william morris gallery has devoted five exhibition spaces 
to the exhibition. So uh, we've been lucky enough to work with quite versatile exhibition spaces. Yeah, I also really enjoyed uh, kind of walking from one room to the other since the whole uh, museum, um, is the gallery is, yeah, it's also the architecture itself is quite beautiful and fascinating. So it was nice to kind of go through the corridors and the stairs and enter this very different uh, exhibition uh, rooms. I think it worked really well, as I told you before, the content with the space itself. Thank you. Thank you. And in fact, uh, my, my co-curator, Professor Andrzej Szczerski, thinks that uh, the young Poland objects work much better uh, when displayed in smaller rooms because, in fact, they were intended for domestic use. So we think that they look more natural in the domestic spaces of the William Morris Gallery rather than in big sort of purpose-built exhibition spaces. I'm really glad that, 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 that you liked the setup there. How, how was the art shown uh, during the, the time of the Young Poland? Because you said it was intended for domestic spaces. Uh, however, I saw some uh, exhibition posters uh, in, the, in the exhibition. So I think there was also like uh, shows organized uh, during that time. But can you tell a little bit about this domestic aspect? During the Young Poland period, there was a, an unprecedented interest in, uh, in designing the applied arts. Uh, things like coffee services, tea services, tableware, domestic furniture, kilims, light fittings, any aspect of, of the interior decoration of, of domestic interiors. What is your favorite piece uh, of the exhibition? <laughs> so it would be very, very hard. For me, it would be really, really hard to pen down one piece. Uh, but but I, I've got four, four favorite groups of objects. The Christmas tree decorations by Stisław Gadliczka, recreated by Dr. Anna Myczkowska-Szczerska, which are the epitome of uh, young Poland's belief in cultural democracy, in everyone's right to beauty, and they are also the epitome of, of objects, everyday objects, being subversive, patriotic carriers of Polishness, at a time of political oppression. Um, they are also a unique set of arts and crafts, Christmas tree decorations in Europe, because as, as a point of interest, there are no surviving British arts and crafts Christmas tree decorations. So the Krakow workshops decorations are really, really special. And they are actually made from everyday, easily accessible materials. Paper and card, haricot beans used for the eyes, also a wire with hardly any glue. And the three-dimensional three shapes have been created from two-dimensional templates by means of scoring, bending, and creating strategic cuts. They look very sculptural, 
uh, and in fact many people uh, compare them to, to origami exactly, yeah. <laughs> and uh, there is a very coherent rationale behind the characters they represent the chief characters uh, associated with the celebration of Christmas uh, Saint Nicholas who was the precursor of Santa Claus uh, uh, several animals from the nativity scene manger so the horse and the bull and also fish as a symbol of Christianity and also as a Christmas Eve dish in Catholic countries there is also the ship which can be interpreted as a sort of a symbol of faith so really really complex but coherent symbolism there's also the devil with gold teeth who can be interpreted as the key to understanding Christmas that Christmas is is in fact about the existence of evil in the world then the second group of objects which I think is really really special are the paper cuttings by, by Karol Kosowski they look like mandalas his vision and his genius for ornament and his genius for color are also timeless he has created these little compositions by means of folding paper and with just a pair of scissors and using chisels. And he represents a fairy tale world of sort of wood grouse, grasshoppers, hairy crawling caterpillars, squirrels. And he has been able to abstract all of the creatures but without losing their distinctive character. And he combines very bold colors with very subdued colors. Th those things are just perfect in formal terms and a great source of joy. Also, Karol Kosowski's uh, door to his studio showing the motif of a spider weaving its web, uh, which can be interpreted as a metaphor of handiwork the celebration of sort of manual work and also an autobiographical comment on Kosowski's own status as a master craftsman and on Kosowski's own practice as a paper cutter and as a lace maker because the shape of the spider's web and sort of the meticulous workmanship of the spider's web can be compared to lace or to paper cutting and then um, the final group of objects would have to be Stanisław Wyspiański's floral designs for the Franciscan church, showing repeating patterns of roses, pansies, nasturtiums on a gigantic trellis, not unlike William Morris's wallpaper patterns. One of the pieces, uh, the design for pansies, hasn't been on display for 90 years, and we've been able to borrow it from Bank PKOSA from their corporate collection, uh, which 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 is really incredible. It's also included in the book. It's really nice to see how how involved and how fascinated you are about the collection, and I can really see, um, <laughs> yeah, that it really um, it took a lot of I think years that you kind of put the collection together. So it's it's great that you can now share it. Uh, I would like to know if um, if we can see the collection 
after it's uh, it's finished uh, in January, is there a plan for the exhibition to to travel, or are you thinking to to put it somewhere else, or what's what's the future <laughs> for the Young Poland Arts and Craft Movement? Well, because of the uh, conservation uh, requirements of of the works on paper. Uh, which can only be displayed for a finite amount of time at a time. There are no plans for the exhibition to tour, but the Young Poland book, uh, which was conceived uh, both as a catalogue and as a standalone study of the movement, uh, will be will be available and uh, that's a, a record of the exhibition it includes over 300 illustrations and the chapters reflect the scope of the exhibition uh, i'm also very very excited because uh, professor Sterski has invited me and rashin inglesby to do another project together the three of us uh, Poland's first exhibition of uh, William Morris, the Pre-Raphaelites and the Arts and Crafts Movement to be shown at the National Museum in Krakow in October next year. And there will be some elements of the Polish uh, young Poland artists as well incorporated in that exhibition. And also our friends from the National Museum in Krakow have just opened a new museum dedicated to Stanisław Wyspiański. Uh, I was able to visit it last week and, and it's amazing and, and it will be the perfect showcase of Wyspiański's timeless vision. And the museum in Krakow is also opening a new branch at the end of this week on the 18th of December, dedicated to the history of Polish design with several sections on, on Young Poland. So plenty to see in, in Krakow as well. Great. I will put uh, links to, to all of uh, things you were just uh, mentioning. And yeah, for those who, who won't manage to see your show, perhaps they can kind of continue finding out more about uh, all those movements yeah, in Krakow. And <laughs> may I, Patricia, may I ask you uh, about your impressions from the exhibition? What, what did you think of it? Uh, and yeah, what was your general, uh, general impression after, after seeing the exhibition? And what were your favorite objects? Yeah, as, as I as said, uh, it was very interesting for me to, to see the exhibition and the space together. I really enjoyed how you set up the separate rooms. Also, the moment when you enter the staircase and there is this uh, model of a house. The house under the Exactly, fence. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I really enjoyed kind of the, yeah, the combination of those domestic objects, as you said, and the interior of William Morris Gallery. It was also an interesting experience for me to, to go so deep into Polish history being in London. And in a yeah, English-speaking country, it was, uh, yeah, quite quite uh, quite nice for me that uh, you got the space to to explore such important uh, movement for the the Polish history uh, in a different country. Always enjoy how you can kind of exhibit something so specifically culturally, but still see the links with other uh, nations and other contexts um, 
you know, for the time being. So I thought I thought this this was uh, really nice. And uh, yeah, as I told you, uh, one of the favorite objects was also the Christmas decorations. Also, since now there is, uh, I, I feel here in London, there is a lot of, uh, in general, a lot of decoration. And I think uh, you really like showing the Christmas mood. So this put me even more into the Christmas mood. And I spend a lot of time in this room uh, looking at these objects and how like meticulously they were made and uh, yeah I, I, I very much uh, enjoyed that um, I also appreciated uh, as you were also mentioning that you um, gave space to artists which are not so known in history so especially of course the female war, uh, artists which yeah because of our history are not so mentioned I really like that you gave platform for those especially yes yeah, you said there was like one whole room dedicated uh, to Maria exactly I, I spent quite some time there also uh, reading about her works and the poetry yeah in general it was also very nice for me to see arts and crafts object in the context of a gallery and uh arts context since uh, we are used to seeing art more as something yeah more in the fine arts department so I really enjoyed that this time appreciated this arts and crafts uh, domestic object equally beautiful as let's say the paintings uh, and the sculptures yeah I'm very very happy that I, I managed to, to see it in reality the the catalog you made is also very beautiful I think you get a totally also different insight into the specific objects in the catalog and there's so much uh, extra uh, information there but I think going to the exhibition was definitely also an add-on to, to, to understanding and thank you so much for, for gifting me the, the catalogue. <laughs> for me it's also interesting to see a more historic uh, exhibition. I work usually with contemporary art and artists and I see a lot of contemporary works uh, but I also really really enjoyed seeing uh, or like delving into a more historic art movement uh, since I think everything which is historic can be also applied to, to the contemporary and as, as you said uh, you explained a little bit where the urgency came to create within that times the, I, I think we definitely could find those motivations in, in contemporary art as well so that uh, yeah I really really enjoyed that aspect and I hope the listeners of the podcast will also appreciate looking more into like a historic uh, movement and, and historic works before uh, we end uh, I would like to uh, ask you since this is uh, my podcast is called Kitchen Conversations and as a tradition I always uh, end up speaking uh, about food and favorite food from home and uh, since we are getting very close to Christmas maybe you would like to share uh, with us your favorite Christmas dish well uh, it would have to be pierogi which is uh, traditional Polish dumplings uh, with a number of uh, fillings, including uh, the so-called Russian pierogi, with a filling made from boiled potatoes and cottage cheese with a little bit of onion and garlic, and also a pierogi with sauerkraut and um, cumin and mushrooms. Uh, you know, I if 
let's put it like this. I love pierogi so much that if it wasn't for health considerations, I could eat them for breakfast, lunch and <laughs> supper every day. <laughs> the other dish which I really love is 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 barsht, the beetroot soup. Um, it's 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 another sort of uh, favorite. Barsht is 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 far healthier than than pierogi. Be- beetroots are supposed to be one of the superfoods. Great. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, we will round up uh, here, Julia. Thank you very much for uh, for your expertise. It's very uh, enjoyable for me to speak with someone who knows so much about a particular thing. And you, you're a great uh, speaker. And I think you really, you really explained a lot of uh, important and interesting facts about the movement, about the exhibition, about your work. Uh, So thank you so much. And the episode will be out already next week, which is great. So people will still uh, be able to listen and then perhaps also see the show. Thanks so much, Patricia. It has been so much fun speaking with you. Thank you. (laughs) And this was it for today. Thank you for reaching till the end of the last episode. And at the same time, thank you for listening, tuning in, supporting and being together this year. I really, really appreciate every listen uh, you gave. This wouldn't be possible without you. So I'm really, really grateful. I think this year was great for me. The podcast really developed. I really connected to a lot of people. It's growing and I'm hoping for big things next year. Have a great Christmas if you celebrate it. Otherwise, enjoy the last days of the old year and step well into the new one. I see you then.